Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns, the podcast where three film fans review a movie and then pitch their own ideas for the sequel. Today we're looking at The Shallows, a film about a girl stuck on a rock being circled by a massive shark. This podcast contains spoilers for The Shallows and Jaws. Enjoy! Hello, today we're talking about The Shallows, um, the, the 2016 film. Uh, I'm Calvin, and with me are Sol. Rawr! Sh- sharky Sol. Rawr! Sharks can't actually make noises, they don't have lungs or vo- vocal cords. I believe we talked about this at length in our uh, Jaws series episode. Doesn't stop the filmmakers of The Shallows making that mistake. Does it, it roar? Oh, well, I'm here with Alan as well. That's... well yeah, uh, I don't think it roars, does it? There are noises, but it doesn't, like, come above the It could the just water be the, s- the like... sound of the swell. Yes, exactly. The water rushing. Anyway, yes. Today we're talking about The Shallows. Um, every now and then on the show, if there isn't an obvious film for us to tie an episode into, we take it in turns to select what film or series the other ones have to watch and discuss. Uh, the Shallows was my choice. I think I'll talk about it a little bit more as we get into it, but for those of you who haven't seen the film, it's very easy to sum up. Um, a girl, Blake Lively, goes out surfing and a shark attacks her and she gets stuck on a rock and she has to try and get off the rock and not get eaten by the shark. Have you ever played that game as a kid where you can't Go on the floor because it's the floor is lava. Yes, or yeah. sharks. Yes, or sharks. Because <laughs> this is base. This is basically a feature film adaptation of that. Yes, it is a, an incredibly simple concept, and that's one of the reasons why I like the film so much. I should probably say that I hands on the table up for it. I really like this film, and uh, I think it's largely to do with the fact that I saw this last summer, and this was a summer where I'd mainly just seen these big franchise films. Everything was two and a half hours long or whatever, and it felt so good just to sit in a cinema and watch a middle-of-the-road, not low-budget, but, you know, medium-budget, um, just slick, snappy, 90-minute thriller. I, I was so sick of watching quality films all summer that it just it felt so good to, <laughs> to watch something kind of not that great. No, no, no. Well, I, know, I, mean, I know what you mean, though. It's just, There's a simplicity to it. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah, like, yeah, it's not like a big overarching I didn't mean middle of the road in terms of final quality, but more just in production values, I guess, is what I wanted to... I mean, I, I must say it was it was really nice to just just have one easy shark film to watch in preparation for this episode of the podcast instead of seven movies. Yeah, it was, it was, and like you say, it's a, it's like a it's a very kind of brisk eighty two minute film with a good twenty four minutes of story in it. So I mean, it's a good <laughs> tight film. I think I'm going to be a dissenting voice to you, Calvin. So uh, here's a counterpoint for you. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, <clears throat> well, Grumpy I didn't Alan dislike is... it. Let's not. No, let's not get carried away. I didn't dislike it, but I came into it knowing nothing. Obviously, I knew it was about a shark or something, but I didn't know like what the story behind it was. Mm. And I must admit, I had a lot more kind of sympathy for it. A lot more 
uh, positive feelings towards it when I thought it was like a little low budget thing, like indie film that had come <laughs> good. Ah. rather than a studio piece. And when I read about a bit more about it afterwards, it kind of put a different spin on a lot of things that I liked about the oh, film, which then felt more cheap. Uh, mm. But basically it was like, this felt like a plucky like director and good cinematographer like producing a, a nice piece that didn't quite have the story to, to, to really fill the time but they they created a good bit of tension with it all but then the fact that it was a studio driven piece and yeah and the guy who made it the director's a veteran of the genre i bet calvin's a big fan of his work he, he did the house of wax remake and orphan and orphan i love work. orphan i've seen most of this guy's oeuvre to be honest like mostly accidentally <laughs> and then his name pops up at the end of them and i'm sort of like oh okay like i saw even i even saw non-stop the Liam Neeson. He seems to be largely directing these low-budget oh, Liam yeah, Neeson he made, action things now. He made Unknown, didn't he? Which is one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire life. It, so it's a rip-off of a Twilight Zone episode where Liam Neeson wakes up and he, he runs around going, I'm Martin Harris! And they're like, you're not Martin <laughs> Harris. This is Martin <laughs> Harris. I'm Martin Harris! And that happens for about oh, yeah. 80 minutes. And... <laughs> And, and and it's a brilliant setup. It's a brilliant premise for a film, but only if you've kind of got like a story that satisfyingly pays it off. And and it doesn't. It, it just devolves into a load of bullshit about spies. It's fucking dreadful. But uh, House of Wax is a surprisingly enjoyable bit of slasher nonsense, and Orphan mm. is okay. So I mean, he, he's yeah. not a he's not a just to, to well, throw a positive. I mean, I word I haven't really. I basically haven't seen any of his films, and I didn't recognise the name either. Which is why it wasn't until I looked him up afterwards that he's like, yeah, he's got this veteran kind of low budget horror director. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I just saw the name. I thought, oh yeah, it's just like some French director or something. It was like, and they and they produced this film, and it, and it, and if a lot of this film, a lot of elements of this film felt quite un Hollywood, and I I kind of like that, and I still do like that, but. Now I'm seeing it from a, like, how has this come through the studio system? And maybe you can tell me a bit more about how it was made or whatever. But there were elements that I, I really liked. Um, ultimately, I think it was just lacking in enough story or originality to, to really pull me in. But it was a we well-made We did the Crank piece, movies so last week. And yet again, <laughs> I've got to pull you up on your inconsistency with the amount of story a film requires to, <laughs> to keep but you happy. That's, the difference is that they're funny, and I can go with comedy. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, see, well, the, this is the opposite of this is our, the opposite ends of the spectrum for us, then, because I can go with it yeah. if it's sort of thriller, horror... Slasher yeah, I mean, nonsense. yeah, this genuinely like this really isn't my genre. I must admit, and mm. I must, I do want to stress, I didn't dislike the film. You remember that film? Is it called Open Water? Where they get lost, they get left behind. Yeah, now that's a it. true low budget shark movie. That's that's kind of my what I was thinking it was, and I'm a lot more forgiving of that because it feels like they've created like something out of less, if you know what I mean. Whereas right. this, it's like okay, they had everything at their disposal. And yes, they produced something that works. But it, it, there's less of an achievement there for me, and it makes me appreciate it on a different level, and mm. perhaps a lesser level. I think out of every film we've done on the show, this is the most bizarre choice, and the most bizarrely uninteresting <laughs> film to do. Because it's, <laughs> no. 
It's not particularly good. It's not particularly bad. Like, there's nothing. It's it's not like Crank that we did last week, where even if you're not that into it, it's mental and there's loads to talk about. It's just, it's like it was a very solid, entertaining film, and I, I, you know, I was happy to sit through it and enjoy it. But it it felt like a really odd (laughs) choice to pick out and talk about on the. I mean, but this is probably the most firmly um, seven-y film uh, that we've ever done <laughs> for senior sevens on the show. So, should we get into the story then? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I mean, okay. Yeah. This is my, my okay. My big complaint uh, is that the story is she's trapped uh, on this rock. She can't get out. Right. That's the story. And then they try and add in this kind of clunky emotional backstory that doesn't, oh, yeah, I don't doesn't like work. That. It yeah. doesn't add anything to it. Um, the only bit I kind of like about that whole element is the way that they visually impart her talking on the phone and you have the screen mm. on the screen. And so, I like that. That was a nice... Th- this is something that Hollywood is catching up with, like how to represent yeah. like technology and text messages and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Mm. And they're getting, they're getting onto it. I thought it was nicely done. I hadn't seen it done quite that nicely before. Um, which which is one of the things I was watching, and I thought this feels quite on Hollywood. This feels like someone's actually thought about what they're doing, um, and it might be the you know all these guys are, they're not they're not Hollywood, are they? I mean they they are in the industry, but they're not yeah they're not like A list Hollywood filmmakers, are they? Oh no, they're the, the low, B list. This budget, is a B film. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that tends to lend itself towards more innovative creativeness, Mm. uh, if that's a word, Uh, rather than rather than okay, we know what works, so let's just do it. And I I like just things like in the very opening scene, she's in a car with this um, Mexican guy. I think it's Mexico, right? That's the idea. Yeah, and, it's... and and they're chatting away, and she speaks a bit of Spanish. She speaks a bit of English, and it felt very natural the way they were talking to each other in broken language, rather than it just being like, "Oh, hey, I'm a Spanish guy. I speak English," like that kind of character, or or just they simply can't speak at all. And I liked the little exchange between them. It set up her character. It set him up, which he he does come back later. It's but, probably and, worth mentioning that the director himself is uh spanish mm, so yeah. i i it did feel like a very authentic take on yeah you've actually got things, a, Spa- a like spanish were... speaking actor rather than mm. <laughs> rather than like it's not just like antonio banderas <laughs> it felt a little long but we'll we'll be seeing a lot of that yeah. um that that just seeing it just like okay we've established it now we don't need to see her still texting and we don't need to see this she's staring wistfully out the window it's like let's get to the beach come on I I I will agree to a point there because I one of the things that reviews pulled out and praised was the emotional uh, backstory and, and Oof, subplot no. and the fact that you cared about it and I I agree like, I didn't need any of that at all I can empathise with someone not wanting to be eaten by a shark without needing to know that they're there for some bullshit about their mum telling them about a, a rock in the water that they want to go like that that added nothing for me and it, it kind of detracted from my enjoyment to be honest if anything but but it's a minor part of the film you know yeah I mean I, I don't mind it's just in there enough that there is some emotional journey in there and it's all about her mother's death and she's 
thinking she's not going to go and finish her medical degree or whatever. And and also, that's a nice little bit of exposition for how she manages to... What's the word? Cauterize? Cauterize? <laughs> uh, she manages to... You know, well, she does all sorts of bits of surgery on herself. But as soon as you go, oh, she's a medical student, you're like, okay, well, she's going to get bitten by a shark. Well, actually, I assumed like someone else would probably get attacked and she has to try and help them or something like that. But it's like, it's not a very subtle setup, but I'm all right with it. It works. I mean, I'm not convinced about the medical benefits of jamming an earring into an open wound, but, you know, whatever. If it works, it works, right? Well, yeah, you know. But I mean, I think if if there wasn't that little subplot in there, we'd be sat here complaining that there's no emotional journey in the thing at all. I don't know. I think Alan would. I don't know if I would. Well, okay, I guess my major major point here, Calvin, would be, um, have you seen 127 Hours? Yes. Well, there you go. That's that's yeah. a good version of this film. Well, that is a much much better film than this. I exactly. Don't think yeah. Any of us could. Yeah. No. I mean, that's but, the, but 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 it that is doing everything that this film wants to do, but it does it better. The 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 the, the emotional turmoil and the tension comes from within. It's that yeah. it, the the tension is not. Oh my god, am I getting eaten by a shark? The tension is. Oh my god, I'm I'm gonna die out here, mm, and I yeah, don't know exactly. how to stop it. That's that's what is more interesting to me. There's a lot of that in this film, though. There is, but not in. But I think, yeah, like if you've seen 127 hours and 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 Jaws, I'm not sure what the point of seeing this film is. Because <laughs> you maybe only have 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, if you've only you've only got of... you've only got 82 minutes, you want to. Yeah. Because on. you're a millennial, you were born in 2004, and you don't know about Oscar films that no one watches anymore from years ago, or. Um. We we've we've lost past the opening of the film. The the very start of the film is a little kid runs out onto the beach and picks up a a GoPro oh, yeah. that's floated to shore on a camera mm. on a helmet and yeah. um, watches the the video footage back and we just sort of see some people prattling around and then suddenly someone's kind of pulled underwater and then you just see a shark come flying at the camera and he mm. um, he runs off scared and it's an interesting choice to put that in because mm. basically that is something we come back to it's like a forward well, this is flash it. that we that we see i thought it was and, great and it gives away but it gives away a huge amount of the plot but that we're going to come to later but on i thought that was a really i really like that because it doesn't it doesn't give away exactly what happens it gives away that that guy with a gopro on his helmet dies <laughs> That's what it gives away. So, for, as far as I'm concerned, that heightens the tension every time he is on screen. You are waiting for him to go because you think, "Oh Christ, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna die." We no, know I, I disagree because because there's no there's no shark, there's no tension until he's gone, and then the next time he comes back, you see him. What do you mean? There's, there's no shark, shark so but it's, like... it's the sea, and you're just like. The the first moment I saw him, I thought, oh, okay, so they're going to be swimming, hanging out, and the shark's going to come and get him, and that'll be the start of this character's journey. And it's like a mm. really ingenious setup because we know to it, we're being primed to expect the shark, and you're like on edge, waiting for the jump scare, essentially. But no, no, I don't, I don't agree because I was going into this film. The DVD box has got a shark on it. It's like I know there's a shark going to pop up at some point. That tension is always there. But but the the problem with that is once she's stranded on the rock, she has to wait it out overnight in the hope that these guys don't come back the next day. 
Mm. But we already know that even if they do come back, he's going to get eaten by a shark. So they're not going to be able to rescue her. So that element of rescue is removed. As soon so, as they come back, we're like, okay, well, nothing's going to happen here. You're going to get eaten. I thought so. you'd like watching a nihilistic film where it's hopeless and there's no... <laughs> but no, because the character has hope. But we as an audience know something that she doesn't. No, yeah, and, and that's that's the Hitchcockian way of doing suspense. Yeah, she's just... If I thought, oh, the, those guys are going to come back and save her, I'd just be annoyed with the film. I'd be like, oh, that's cheap, that's going to be rubbish. The fact that mm. I know that those guys are going to come back and not save her, it, it, it it's like a whole new layer on the film that didn't need to be there. And I, I yeah. really applaud that decision. I, I think it added a lot to me, the, the, the viewing experience for me. I, I, I'll stand by it. You, I like it. If you didn't have that, you would have a quick moment of shock when the thing does come up and yeah. get him. But with that, that at, the, at the beginning... But because you, of you that, I didn't even have the shock. Because I knew he was going to get eaten by a shark. So when it happens, it was like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. So why there's no shock at all? No, but you know it's going to happen regardless. It's about... As with 90% of scares in horror movies, it's about when it happens. You know something is going to jump out and scare you, or you're primed to think it is. So it's it's that moment where you're waiting for it to happen, and it could be any moment, and you don't know if it's... It, the same thing happened... But it, couldn't, it wasn't that it could be any moment. He got into the water... And about 10 seconds later, they were attacked. Like, there was no sense of tension there. There wasn't like he was swimming around for ages and like, oh, it's going to happen sometime. It just it happened as soon as they got back in the water. Yeah, the second and time. I, it, it, was so, it, was, it was to the point where I was thinking, do you know what, he's not going to get caught, but something's going to happen where they lose the helmet. And they made us think it was going to die, but then he just loses the helmet. But he's going to Yeah, I, I, I thought that Because that, that would be like too, a nice double but... bluff. But then that didn't happen. Yeah, but it's it, it doesn't get him the first time. There's that, that entire scene where they're interacting at the start. That would mm. be a really boring bit of just characterization that I don't need. But the fact that we've seen that footage at the start transforms that into a tense bit of horror. And so you get that boring characterization out of the way in the form of a tense, scary scene because you're waiting See, for I, a shark I think, to show I, up. I think I disagree it. because we know, or at least from where I was thinking, I had no sense. When they were just talking at the beginning, I didn't get any sense of tension there because it was too early for the shark to hit. I knew it wasn't going to happen then. It was like, if it had happened then, then I would have been shocked. And it would have been like, oh, shit, this is kicking off sooner than I thought. But it's like, at that point, we haven't even surfed yet. We're going to have to see him surfing for a bit before anything happens. And it's just like, that's just because of the basic structures of how a story works. I know it's not going to happen yet. And so I didn't feel any tension for that. And and so the the fact that I knew he gets attacked lessened it for me. Mm. Well, I think it's a weird thing to actively bother you, to be honest. I don't know. Um, well, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. I, 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 I also think helped it's anything. just nice to get a bit of shark action off the bat instead of making us sit through like forty-five minutes. Well, to be honest, I think I think that is the, the purpose and... of it. I think that was why they did it. I think that's why they shot it linearly and then went. Do you know what? We need something right at the beginning that gives us a bit more action. Oh, let's take this bit and we'll put that at the beginning rather than mm. a script writer making that decision. I, I don't. Th- I mean, I don't know that. I'm, that's I just don't know if they... Yeah, I, the I very much doubt they would have included the GoPro element at all without thinking... I mean, obviously it comes into play at the end of the film, but it it strikes me like 
quite an integral part of the structure. And obviously you could edit it yeah. differently, but I really don't think that was a last-minute post-production decision. Yeah, maybe not. But, I mean, it's, it's just... It's one of those things where it's like the sense of tension, but a false tension that I just don't go with in films, and I don't. I wouldn't. Call, I don't know why you think it it's false. false tension. That's it. False tension no, is you. Tension. You put some spooky music over it, and you you have the guy going, "Oh, I'm being attacked by a shark," and she rushes over, and he goes, "Ha ha ha! I tricked you! Ha ha ha!" That's mm. bullshit false tension. The the GoPro element allowed you to have legitimate tension at the start. And if he had gone underwater and there had been some other sort of like attempt at a scare near the start, I probably would have thought, oh, it's not the shark yet, it's too early. But because I've seen categorically this guy, as far as we know, like gets eaten by this shark with this thing on his head, and that's a really specific thing, so it's gotta be this mm. character. And I had no reason to believe that, you know, I, I knew that the film was about someone being stranded on a rock, so I had no reason to believe that these guys were going to, you know, need to come back later, or that the film was going to need, you know, I, I thought, well, maybe the shark's going to come and attack them, and she has time to get on a rock to safety, and it, it, I never for a, basically it just injected legitimate tension in that opening scene and it would have been a very dull uninteresting scene without that for me and I think it adds to other tense elements that are introduced as the thing goes on like there, there are some just nice little bits where she's like at first when she meets those guys she's like sort of drifting a little bit away from them and they're like come over here you know whatever and she's kind of like hanging back a little bit and it feels like a very real like yeah if I was in that situation like at one point they get out of the water and go to their car and she's looking back at them because they're like near where her bag is and her phone and all that and that, kind of that's stuff. a note and I've made like... here is that yeah, how, like that. how like refreshing that. I found it in this film that uh, partly with those two but also very much with the guy at the start giving her a lift I, I was primed to think that guy in the car was like sinister and gonna do something, but then I kept remembering. Oh no, it's a shark film. There's no just, need for just because he's a Mexican. No, but it's, it's because in every slasher film ever, you're primed to distrust the the locals, and it, it just doesn't. Mm. And I thought it was so refreshing to not have that in a film. And then sadly, there's a guy later on who kind of completely <laughs> conforms to that stereotype. But well, no, I liked the characterization. I liked when she's she's talking to them and they're having, she's like having to shout over the distance, and they're like, "Oh, she's just as come gringo. She's gonna like be completely out of depth." And then she proves herself. Mm. It was all fine. I liked that the characterization all worked. At no point during that was I thinking, "Oh my god, they might get eaten by a shark." It wasn't adding anything to me whatsoever. I mean, I don't want. I think we've already we've already had a bigger point out of this than I intended to make it. I just didn't think it particularly added anything. I'm not trying to make a big deal out of <laughs> well, it. Well, I wanted to talk about how much I liked it. So I mean, my my next note here is male gaze and full force. Oh, uh, I, during the I literally used the phrase ready. male gaze in my notes as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that that was one of the moments where I was going, oh, maybe this is a Hollywood film after all. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to admit, some, some of those shots of her like surfing from like under the water like I don't know this cinematographer I he's not got a Wikipedia page I don't know what he's I put I put in my notes wow someone's got an underwater camera and they're getting their money's worth out of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know some of the some of those shots are really quite remarkable when the waves are coming over and she's I just, like I, just, I, I my notes here say the inevitable montage of surfing very dull especially all the swimming leading up to it 
Um, I guess they they had to. Like, I can appreciate that the director felt the need to inject some action. I suppose what little opportunity they had to put something interesting visually into the film well, that's a ba- I, basically about a woman sat on a rock for the majority yeah. of its running time. I can kind yeah, of see why they felt the need yeah. to do it, but I just I just find watching someone surfing so boring. It's again, I might as well watch like sport. It's just interesting. <laughs> if she's not surfing I, I, like out of the way of a submarine no, I mean, I, that's I, coming together. If the shark was chasing the... her and she like surf jumped on its back and was surfing on the back of the shark, <laughs> that'd be cool. I'd watch that. But you're not watching it in the same way that you would watch uh, the sports or anything. Like you know, it's more of a music video, if anything, and you're just seeing these beautiful images. And, well, I wouldn't uh, enjoy uh, yeah, watching a music video about someone surfing either. Well, but yeah, but it's not the same as sport. Is you're not watching it in a way like well, I hope she doesn't fall off that wave. Well, I don't know. I don't know why people watch sport. It's alien to me. I don't know why people watch surfing. <laughs> well, well, I I didn't mind that bit. I thought it was. Brief enough that it got to the point, the surfing. I thought it was really nicely shot. There's some beautiful underwater sh- shooting and stuff. I, th- I was happy with that. It was fine. And, you know, I, I, all through this film, I did get a sense of a director going, okay, we could stretch that out to maybe s- six minutes. We, how, how, 78 minutes total. Oh, God, I need to find... Can we put this bit in slow motion? Will that help? <laughs> oh, we've got to get it to at least 80. Come on, what? <laughs> How long can the credits be? <laughs> Speaking of the surfing shots and all that, I think I thought the whole film was really nicely shot. Mm. There was, and I got yes. this real sense of natural it's light, very like that. It felt shot. very genuine, like. Well, yeah, it, it felt, felt very. Yeah, it just felt. I mean, it felt like a music video to me. It didn't feel like mm. there was any real. Oh, it, yeah, no, it feels like it's all done on like, like an Instagram filter. But I think it looks quite lovely for that kind of thing because this is a film for like you know fifteen, sixteen year olds. None of it looked particularly interesting to me. It just looked like competent shots of the sea and fine. And, yeah. I don't know. It just looked really light and airy. I felt like I was on a beach. I felt like it was summer. I was. I was okay. Like that encompassed that for me. I guess. Mm. Uh, and then there's yeah. And then there's sort of very barren rock with just ocean, and she's stuck there. That worked. I I liked the way it was. It came across, and and generally how it was shot. Well, anyway. It's about this point in the film when a, a big bloated whale corpse floats up, which I was not mm. not expecting, and I mm. I really liked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, thought I was, yeah. I was like I said, I wasn't expecting it, but that's that's like really legitimate justification for the shark being there. Yeah, instead exactly. Of it just that's being like. But then she has to climb on top of it right at the start, and I was like, this yes. is <laughs> this is going into some like. Really great territory. I was just not expecting. I, I love that yeah. she has to climb on top of a big floating whale corpse. I mean, it's kind of it feels very out of place in the rest of the film, to be honest. But kind of. But that was the one thing in the film where I was like, okay, this is cool. I've never really seen this before. Mm. And like this, okay, I wonder what they're going to do with this. And, she, and she's literally having to like use jagged gashes in the whale's blubber to climb up. It's like there's yeah. this kind of brutality to it. It's like, all oh, right, yeah, this is cool. Mm. And this they've, they've got this jet they've got this actual whale like polystyrene whale thing that they've built. It looks kind of a little bit ropey, but kind of cool in a in that in that kind of it felt like a practical effect. I thought, oh yeah, that's quite cool. I like that. Mm. It felt because it was it, it felt was like a something lot more had to build. 
comedic, to be honest, than I was expecting. It felt like darkly comic horror comedy mm. that doesn't really come across at any other point in the film, other than maybe the very end when, uh, well, we'll get there. But, I mean, I, yeah, no, I like it. Um, and I've made a note here, actually, that there are some, to kind of go back to the cinematography briefly, there are some really impressive underwater sequences in this film mm. Um, mm. in terms of what they've shot. Um, the, the the bit where the current like drags her around and she like smashes into the water like underwater mm. near the start. It, yeah. It's I'm not entirely sure how they did it. I love that she's going through all this at the very beginning because I'll be honest. When I first saw it, I thought she's gonna get onto the rock pretty early and then yeah. uh, towards the end, of course, she'll be in the thing with the shark and it might nibble her. But she does go through a lot of pain in like before she even gets on the rock. My my next note is that I I didn't expect the shark bite so early, and yeah. I guess that's yeah. why she can't get back to the beach. It sort of yeah adds a whole extra layer of peril. But yeah, yeah that caught me off guard. Yeah, in terms of what we were talking about earlier, in terms of shocking me as an audience, that was a shock. I thought the shark was going to turn up and she was going to have to climb on a rock, but no. She's suddenly like screaming in pain. It was like, oh, has he actually got her already? Yeah. And then there's blood, and it's like, holy shit, yeah, he has. He's bitten her. And it's like, yeah. okay, all right, let's get on with this. And, yeah, and she has on. to climb like, up on good. a whale carcass and, a whale and wait carcass. for the shark to eat its way up to her. It's it's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> and then, but we do kind of. I feel it'd be quite good if she had to stay on the whale a bit longer. Mm. I feel like well, we lost I, that I agree. A bit too soon. It's yeah. a really great concept, like from a legitimate horror point of view as well, because it's such a flimsy island essentially for her to be on. It isn't a solid rock. Yeah. It's this thing that's falling apart, and it, it adds this whole extra level of tension because she's not particularly secure on it. It could roll over. It could fall. In, Part the shark could eat mm. its way. I didn't like that the shark then went mad, like just bashing into it and ramming it. I, sharks that smart that they can like. Eh. Well, I'm I'm not convinced by the motivation of the shark throughout any of this. To be perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, later on, I think it has legitimate reason to have grievance with her, but at this point, it's... <laughs> but no, the, that's the point. Sharks don't have grievance. It's got a big <laughs> meal right there as well. You've got to accept that premise for a shark. Even in Jaws... No, I don't, because 40... Yeah, 40 years after Jaws, you, you can't do that same bullshit. Well, we the, know more about sharks. Like We all understand that sharks don't just attack people for the laugh. They're... They they eat. He's got a whale to eat. It's busy. As as the film points out, they stumbled upon the shark's feeding ground, and maybe it's a territorial shark, or you just doesn't. I'm not like buying them. that either. If if they were well, sharks, you buy it then not. yeah. I mean, c- can you think of a reason that you would buy as to why a shark would want to eat a person, take a personal grievance with someone? Well, no, that's why I wouldn't make the film. So we should never make another shark film because. Yeah, probably. There's no real. Yeah, There's probably enough shark done. films at this point that we don't need anymore. <laughs> Jaws did it. We ex- we we kind of bought into the myth, and then we sort of we we went past it. We went postmodern. We went okay. We understand sharks aren't really that much of a threat, and then we move on. I can't wait until we get to Deep Blue Sea. Unless we've got a fresh, <laughs> exciting spin on the shark movie genre, like the sharks are made out of cheese and 
and <laughs> Wallace and Gromit have to fight them or something. <laughs> Unless you've got something like that to throw at me, I, I'm very happy with this being the last shark movie ever made. <laughs> and I, I didn't, I didn't like all that. But then it can't even catch up with her when she's swimming to the rocks from the the mm. whale corpse. If it's that, if it's that smart that it's like specifically going after her and waiting for her, that there's no way a, a human could outswim a shark like that distance. Mm. I think they they do cheat a bit with the distance. It like it looks much further away than what it would actually you know the time it takes her to actually get there. Mm. Tell you what should have happened is she should have ripped off the whale's fin and like <laughs> paddled over to the rock <laughs> on the back of the whale corpse. <laughs> and then like when it's just right next, just to rip it. off the whale's fin. All right, we'll just kind of grab quite, it quite and loosely make it swim. <laughs> but anyway, she gets on the rock. <laughs> And we have a sassy seagull, Steven Seagull, who is there from, uh, who has also been attacked and is wounded. And and I did read one thing about that the seagull's part was sort of reduced in the edit, and she talked to it a lot more. Yeah, there there is a deleted scene on the DVD where she's talking to it, and she's trying, she's doing like a pigeon cooing. I didn't even pick up that that seagull had broken its like wing or hurt its wing until. It got splashed until later blood. on. So I was just, <laughs> mm. I was just getting annoyed at like, why is this Disney sidekick like, <laughs> joining? Her? It's really weird that it's mm. just sitting around. Do we, I mean, I assume we see it get its wing hurt, do we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's very quick. But the, the seagull does end up feeling like a bit of an afterthought. Like it's a bit of a like it was in an earlier script and it got cut out kind of thing. It doesn't quite pay off. Uh, it feels like they could have made more with that. It, I, I've mm. got to say, they, they did a great job scouting the location for this film. Mm. It, 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 like I was expecting to just have a rock and then see as far as the eye can see. and it, The fact that you've got this sort of interesting island in the background, you've got the beach just over um, the other side of it. It, it. It's a great little patch of coast. I agree with you, Sol, but from what I read... I understand that it's basically it's all fake. <laughs> oh, really? No, like, it's not all fake. It's like it's, I mean, there's, no, there's the, a beach. My note it, is and, my note here is is it real? The beach itself is real, and it's it's a small island uh, close to New Zealand. Right. Um, but the the rock formation out at sea uh, is computer generated. They call it the pregnant woman. It looks like yeah. it's got breasts and a. And a pregnant belly. Um, the like, I, I think it's quite seamless actually. Like the shots that are in a studio, because a lot of it is just Blake Lively on a rock in a tank with some blue screen. Uh, but then it's, it's it's done exceptionally well. Mm. I I, yeah. I one of the things I liked about it was how real it all looked. Yeah. It, all, it was all completely seamless. But then there is a lot still of her like actually out there. Or they, they had a proper rock that they put in the in the sea and filmed a lot there. So, but it's mm. seamless. I mean, I can't tell. Yeah. It is really good. Uh, then some. So she she's on the rock. She goes to sleep, and then she wakes up because some crabs come to hang out with her. And, yes. And then she gets really angry with them and starts stomping on them, and that was a bit. That was a bit mean. <laughs> and then and then she's going to eat one, and that's just gross. So I wasn't enjoying any <laughs> yeah. of this. Not quite sure what that was about. And then she vomits. What does she needs food? She's been there all night. Yeah, but if you're going to eat something, eat the fucking seagull. Don't eat. Crab. Did you think that's that she was going to kill it? Like. There's a point where she like decides that she's gonna like click yeah. its wing back into place or something, and I'm like, at that point, I bonded with the seagull, and I think I made a note that I was really getting angry because I thought she was gonna hurt it, and I was I was rooting for the seagull more than her at that point. <laughs> 
But th- yeah, my note is you're not that hungry yet. Eat the fucking seagull. And then, would a shark wait so long for someone? Uh, my note says maybe it would, I don't know. So, Alan, like, you seem to be the expert on shark biology here. Well, I don't think the shark would just sit there waiting for her, but I don't think the shark is there waiting for her. The shark's there dealing with a whale that it's eating. And then, maybe, it, which is why, it's like, if it was then, played a bit more strategically, like, every time she sort of started splashing around, it suddenly came sniffing around, like, oh, hello, what's going on? But we get this sense that it's patrolling her, like, waiting for her to make a mistake or something. It literally and, and is patrolling her. It, she she times it seconds. near the end, <laughs> that it's doing laps of her rock on a little patrol, like, every half many seconds it passes this thing. yeah. And that's the sort of the thin line where it goes from like a, a genuine drama to like okay, this is just a silly shark film now. Now, when mm. when the so there's a sequence at night. She sees a guy on the beach, like just passed out, drunk, and manages to get. He's his just a, t- a typical Mexican guy doing <laughs> his Mexican thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh right. Oh. <laughs> It was, it was silent outrage. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is about as close as the film gets to like true slasher film territory, isn't oh, yeah. it? Like this man is just introduced. Introduce. She asks for help. He's drunk. He goes over to a baggie. Instead of calling for help, he steals her belongings. So immediately we dislike this man. Mm. And then he sees her surfboard and presumably he's going to go and get that and then sell it. And then of course the shark comes and bites him in half. And it really annoyed me that. Like, that's her cue to escape. She sees her the guy going under. It's like, right, the shark's distracted eating this guy. Yeah. In reality, and I, if I that happened in real thing, life, yeah. you'd have plenty of time, because the shark would be busy eating this guy. I it, made a similar note about the next time the, the shark attacks people. It's like, the shark's just eating. It's probably going to go and have a little rest. Yeah. Like, escape now. Now is, the ch- is your chance. It's, it's going to take you two and a half minutes to swim it, like... Take the chance while you've got it. My next note's about the seagull, and this is when I was getting annoyed with her. So this is when she grabs the seagull to, like, fix its wing or something, but my, I, I thought she was going to eat it. Mm, and I yes. was getting really angry with her, because it's her friend at this point. <laughs> but, but, but then, then she, she helps she's, it out, and it's she's, like... Yeah, she, help, she fixes its wing, and then she has a little bit of surfboard that she puts it on, and then, like, sends it along its way. And didn't you just think the shark was going to come and get yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. was. So I, I sure. actually I was like. like uh, I almost wondered if I was meant to believe she would like set a decoy again. Like, right, that shark's yeah. going to eat that. Yeah, and I can. I was exactly the same. Yeah. Well, I think the thing with the seagull is that if something had happened, if anything had happened to give that se- give that a sense of closure or a sense of some sort of story, rather than it just being a fucking seagull that was just plodding along all the way through and nothing came of it. Well, it gives her something to talk to. She's on the rock for, you know, she needs something to be able to have a conversation with. I just kept expecting... Well, I don't know if she did, but I, I kept expecting her to, like, pick it up, chuck it in the air to get it to fly, and then the shark to jump out and eat the thing, <laughs> and that would be the end of it. But... I don't know. I, I think Wilson. I don't think you need a char- yeah, I don't think you need a character talking to something to I think you can do well, it. Well, this is another another thing I I thought actually was maybe if she'd had the GoPro like from maybe she had been the one with the GoPro at the beginning and so she'd had this camera on her all along and then so that would give you the video diary element that you could have her ex um you know really explaining what what she's feeling and stuff. Then I realised I was just doing 127 hours again, so it's like, 
<laughs> oh yeah, a good film did it. Yeah, that's why they can't do it. We've haven't we we've we've missed the two surfers coming back. Oh yeah, and eaten. The, yeah, the yeah, two yeah, surfers yeah. from the start. So this that. is her kind of this is her bi- because that's the moment where this is a big chance of like she knows she expects they're going to come back. So she they're the only ones she expects to come to the beach, and they're her big chance of rescue. They know she's there. They're going to see her stuff still there. Go, oh my god, she's still out there, and they're going to rescue her. So when they get killed. That's the moment where she is like, right, I need to get off of this myself now. I can't just sit here and wait. That's the important part of that scene because previously she's just like, okay, this is shit. My leg's hurting, but I just need to wait it out. So then at that point, and then the tide's coming back up. So she has no choice anyway. She's going to have to get off this rock. Uh, so yeah, that's that sort of creates the new. That's the second act. Really, that's the new tension. Right now, what are you gonna do? Well, that's when she starts working out on a watch, like how long it takes the shark to go around the thing, and she's like putting a, some kind of a plan in action. She decides she's gonna get to this boy, which will obviously give her. Again, that'll only give her sort of safety, as in she's not in the water. It's still not getting her anywhere near a rescue. Yeah, so but it's kind it, of, it, it feels like her, a bit of a backward step. It buy no, it buys her time. She's not worrying about the the tide anymore for a start because it's going to rise with the water, so it's mm, not like mm. the rocks going to disappear under the water. That that's a big thing, um, and also like I don't know. For all she knows, there's going to be some s- tools at her disposal on the boy. Uh, there are, in fact, she finds a flare gun when she gets there. But yeah, she, she... I don't know why you would have anything like that on a boy. Yeah, I, I, I don't no know. I don't know enough gun. about yeah, boys, really but it did know. strike me like a weird thing to have on a boy. I thought there might be some kind of like monitoring equipment that she could sabotage, and someone might go. Oh, yeah, go I thought that it was, it's it's going to be a beacon giving off a radio signal. Yeah. And she cuts she cuts it off or something. Yeah, like that that's what I was expecting, but. I mean, I, I completely buy that the character would think, right, I'm going to go over to that boy and there might be some something I can use to save me on it. Because I'd probably do that if there was a boy right there. Yeah. Mm, mm. You wouldn't have made it that far, so... I wouldn't be... You would, have been, you, would have been, you would have been clambering, trying to clamber onto the whale and the shark would have got you. I wouldn't be surfing <laughs> in the first place. No. You would have been like uh, bodyboarding, just doing like paddling out. I'd be bodyboarding, just... I'd get stung by a little jellyfish and I'd be fuming and I'd get out of the water like, right away. See, I, I'd, I'd, have, I'd be paddling, I'd have goggles on, look under, see fish and go, oh, go fish and get out. Calvin <laughs> would go in the water like up to his ankles and that would take several hours to build up. And he'd to have a knotted handkerchief on his head. And, and he'd... <laughs> And he'd he'd get water he'd get salt water up his nose and be really angry about it and just go back to the beach. I wouldn't be on a beach. I don't like beaches. The annoying sand gets everywhere. But Calvin the wouldn't sequence. be in a country where they don't speak English to begin with. <laughs> so That's she gets true. to the boy by um, she sees these jellyfish and decides to swim through them. Because they will yeah. pop the shark, because the shark is going to get stung by them. A bit silly. Um, in fact, yeah, very silly. This is the one moment where it, it did completely lose me. And, yeah. it's like, and, this is it. and plus, even the way it's shot, where they suddenly they're suddenly glowing. It's like that is the one bit where it looks fake to me. It yeah. doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't feel real. It was the one bit that looked fake. Yeah. Well, I even agree. like I'm not even sure if we're supposed to think of it as reality. How it's shot, it's really weird how they illuminate, mm. and all of a sudden, and it happens after she gets stung. 
which is yeah. sort of give maybe the sense of she's slight yeah. hallucination because there's some sort of chemical thing going on. Yeah, maybe. But it doesn't odd. come across enough of a dreamlike essence to play like that mm. either. Mm. So I don't know if a jellyfish is going to sting a shark enough to like keep it away. Probably not a good idea to put yourself in yes danger of them yourself because it's probably going to be quite yeah. a substantial bit of jellyfish venom in there. So yeah, there's the, and then she gets to the boy, and then she sees a, a large ship somewhere, and then she... I like it when she opens the thing to the flares, and then they all fall into the sea, and she has to, like, attach herself to the boy, and then, like, fling herself around and get it. Like, I do really like all this climax stuff when she's on the thing, and the shark starts chomping away at it, and she has to use it as, like, a cage at one point. Um, yeah, and again, I didn't like the fact that the shark was just chomping through steel or whatever it was supposed to be. Oh, at this point, I'm <laughs> fine with it. Like... Anyway, we do get to our exciting climax where she shoots the thing with the flare gun, which I yeah, really and the like. shark catches on fire <laughs> <laughs> from from the whale blubber. I, I didn't quite understand what was going. Why the whale was leaking uh, leaking petrol? Uh, I, I wasn't quite clear. Was it supposed to be precious hamburgers? Is that is that what it was? <laughs> I can I can go with it. It's fine. It's just... <laughs> we have the exciting climax with the shark, though. Uh, what do you guys think of this? Um, I thought it was silly. I think it gets mm. a bit. Yeah, it, 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 particularly the final moment where she tricks it into swimming into a spike is. Um... <laughs> A bit, a bit too far for me, to be honest. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a shark expert, but I don't think sharks... I think sharks are aware enough that they don't just hurtle themselves towards the seabed <laughs> yeah. uh, at very quick speeds so they can't turn around. Regardless of this, there's spikes there or not, um, it wouldn't have just it would have just slammed into the ground. Uh, I don't think sharks do that, generally. As yeah, I mean. uh, no. No. It, it, and I don't think oh, it needed the kind of comedy open mouth spikes through the head kind of yeah. <laughs> finish to it either. It felt it felt like a moment very out of tone, like not not in line with. It the felt tone like something I'd see in Sharknado, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when you've Definitely. got a girl alone with just a bikini and a seagull. How else do you kill a shark in a spectacular way that isn't just like Jaws? Well, that, exactly. Again, this is I would have liked if the shark perhaps hadn't died well, and she managed to get away did. or someone had rescued. But the but the, again, it just feels like oh, we're just doing jaws here, and also now we've got forty years of history that we we accept that no, because they're not the bad guys. It's at this point that that Blake Lively dies and goes to heaven, and so she her her personal <clears throat> heaven is the shark gets a gruesome comeuppance, then everything's bright and. And happy, and she's she's a doctor and living with her family, yeah. and the family are probably dead as well. Most of them, she's meeting <laughs> them in, in heaven, and that's the end of the film. She goes to the afterlife, and she's dead. Actually, or, I much prefer that interpretation of the ending. Or she survives and is found on the beach, and goes back and finishes her doctorate. And, no, that's uh... that's ludicrous. Don't buy that at all. No, you know what? Like the, the I, like what I just said is obviously not the film's intention, but the way it's shot that that first scene when she's back on the beach, it's so bright, 
and mm. so like white. Like I think is she wearing it white? It's almost heavenly, isn't it? Yeah, and and the fact that she immediately says like, "Oh, I'm a doctor now, and I'm I'm reunited with my family here," and it really like stuck out to me like, "Oh, this this is exactly the kind of film that these fan theories are, are like born from." This is such mm. a yeah. It is a bit too much of a happy ending. My last note is <laughs> that uh, this film is the base level that all films should hit. <laughs> This this is kind of the the lowest level of good that everything should like. Ha- films have no excuse for not being this good. Yeah, I can go with that. I think. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's things about this annoyed me, but I did actually genuinely quite enjoy it. And like, it was just a simple film that passed easily, mm. nicely shot. Um, and I I can pick things out of it that annoyed me, and I just like it wasn't good enough. Um, but it wasn't bad. I go a bit further than that, and I. I but um, yeah, I mean, for me, it would be an eight out of ten if we're putting ratings on. I it. guess but sharks this... are your zombies. Uh, kind of. I, I think if I watched a that, really solid like, seven I mean, out of ten to... zombie movie, I'd be so like into it that I'd be like, "Wow, that's a brilliant." No, actually, that's not true because I just watched Train to Busan the other week, and that's a solid seven <laughs> out of ten. I take it back. I don't know. Like, I mean, you could replace the shark with a whale or a barracuda, and I'd probably. Have the a, same. A what a bar bar what? What? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, uh, I'd love I, to see I think... that film about a whale. Just, oh, a whale <laughs> just a big giant whale. They they whatever. made it. They made it. It's called Orca, and it stars Richard Harris. It came out oh, shortly right. after Jaws. Anyway, nice. um, but I want, I want that bloated whale, whale corpse to come <laughs> oh. to life. Whale zombies. One something that can't eat anything bigger than kelp. That's what you want. <laughs> it has to filter the person to death. The, the thing that really ticks my box about this kind of film is that I really do enjoy these kind of slick, 90-minute thrillers. I, I can I can just watch this quite... I think I must have seen it... I saw it last summer. I must have seen it four or five times since then, just because it is the kind of thing where, like, I watched this with my parents, because we were just like, what, what do we put on tonight? There'll be a crowd-pleaser for us all, and I suggested this. I've seen it with other people. It's just a very easy-going... I uh, I like that. Yeah, I I really respond to simplicity in a film. If if you find a concept that I find interesting, but is as simple as water shark, she has to get a few hundred feet over there. Mm. The end. I'm I'm well on board with that as a premise. So mm, mm. I really do respond to simplistic uh, stuff like that. Yeah. But it was my my main complaint was that it was lacking depth. You know, I mean, it, it is the well, shallows. Di- but, you know, it's, shallow it's lacking is emotional un- depth, not, not just not just <laughs> physical, like actual depth. But um, a good example here is that a friend of mine. I was telling her about the film. She was like, she said, oh, "I've never seen it. I've heard about it. Um, can I borrow it from you?" And I was like. You know no, you can't, because this film isn't good enough, <laughs> and I won't let you watch it. It's not worth of your time. Of all the films in the world I'm that you haven't <laughs> seen, the film this master. isn't top of the list. I would like, if you've got 90 minutes in your life to spare, I've got other things to recommend to you. No, I am not, Alan. Not I will relinquish this film to you, but only once you can pass this quiz. Riddle me this. Prove <laughs> Riddle to me, me that you have seen questions. these films five and then, and then you you quiz them to to make sure they've seen the uh, Fargo, Train Spotting, <laughs> all the all the classics that you need them to have seen. 
Shall we get some pictures then? Do you, do you guys want to know what, what I would do if I was hired to make a sequel to The Shallows? Boy, yes. Do you know what Remora are, Calvin? No, no, what are they? They're small, one to three foot long fish with front dorsal fins that act as suction cups on the top of their heads. And they uh, they use it to attach themselves to sharks' uh, underbellies. Occasionally, whales, manta rays, and divers, and I've they just, have. I've a... just googled. I've googled this, and it's a very weird-looking suction cup head fish. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and they they have a symbiotic relationship with the shark. They they eat scraps of food that it drops, including parasites and feces and things like that. So they help to keep it clean. Mutually beneficial. Hmm. Now this this particular fish, uh, Rich, he has a bit of a goofy overbite. Like defect that he was born with, so the other fish mock him um, for being a goofy nerd overbite fish. <laughs> now uh, he's a young he's a young fish and he's just graduated or, or something like that. So he's going to attach himself to his first shark and uh, he's whizzing through the air or the, the water. Sorry, the air. <laughs> <laughs> he's whizzing through Twist. the water, having fun and. After putting in his eight hours on the shark, um, he wants to get off and go home, but the shark doesn't stop. Uh, more hours pass, and and Rich tries to flag up the attention of the shark, but he can't. He can't get it. And eventually, he he gets some attention from a a, a, a passing baby shark, like dogfish or something. And he asks him, "When when's this shark gonna stop? I I need to get off, go home. I've been I've been on the shark for hours. I'm I'm." You know, I'm knackered. Uh, and the shark informs him that, well, sharks never stop swimming because due to some dodgy evolution, they basically can't stop moving, otherwise they'll they'll suffocate. Uh, mm. And Rich, the remora fish, replies that he's pretty sure that that's a myth. Um, <laughs> but the, the baby shark says that actually, whilst it's not true of many types of shark, it is scientifically accurate that certain breeds of sharks, such as the great white, have a gill system that requires them to move for it to work. So, mm-hmm. um, although sharks have been uh, spotted by by witnesses stopping for a moment here and there, science doesn't really understand how they are capable of doing it, so they just tend not to. Um, mm. So Rich now realizes that he's stuck on a shark that can't stop moving. Otherwise, it'll crash and it'll probably like take him out when it crashes into the into the seabed. And so then we've just got a, a series of precarious courses that that the shark needs to traverse. A uh, whole load of action sequences with it whizzing through coral reefs and 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 jellyfish fields and and the fishes on the back like trying to steer the shark as best it can and. Mm. Um, at one point, it it, try, it like jumps up onto a rock and tries to eat this human, and it, it and they're kind of just going round and round in, in circles uh, around this big rock. Uh, this is another point: the shark needs to keep eating, or it will die too. So it, it, the rich, the fish, needs to like make sure the shark's eating as well as is not crashing. Um, and so there you go. It's a thrilling action movie for like eighty minutes of of. Rich the fish steering the shark around and everything. Uh, mm. Eventually, he manages to get the attention of the fish police. Um, <laughs> so he gets their attention so that they can clear the one hundred and five, uh, the one hundred and five current up ahead. 
meaning that the shark won't collide with anything currently in the current. <laughs> so he he eventually tries letting go, but it turns out that his stupid lip thing is is so like gammy and weird that he can't undo the suction that he's made. So he can't even get off the shark. And then the shark starts going mad at a boy floating in the water for some reason. And he's like, what's going on? And loses control of steering it, uh, jumping out of the water and stuff. And, and Rich sees his chance to escape. So he sees this human woman making a, a plan to escape. And he, he grabs a hold of her as she passes above the shark with the, <laughs> the bit of the shark that... Uh, the fish was attacked to ripping off in the process because the shark like swims into some spikes uh, <laughs> and he rides the girl back to the safety of the shallows before swimming himself home into the sunset. And uh, I've called I'm calling it Speed Three: The Deep, <laughs> but maybe it can be Speed Four. Is that because Father Ted is? Because you can't you can't spell speed without deep. <laughs> speed, 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 line speed deeps. deeps. <laughs> you can tell it's getting late, can't you? When we both had to really pause to work that out. <laughs> Wait a minute. Anyway, Alan. What, shall I? Am I going uh, next? What, what would what? Yeah. What sequel have you got for us? Okay. <clears throat> Things that are more dangerous than sharks in these kind of classic statistical bullshittery thing. Uh, one of those, one of the famous ones, is that more people are killed by vending machines than sharks. Vending machines? Yes. How? Uh, well, basically because they, they try and shake them to get something out and it falls on them oh, and kills no. them. Yeah, they, they, they put their arm up it, grab hold of a chocolate bar, and then they, they won't let go without <laughs> bringing the chocolate bar out and they can't, they start. Like, <laughs> like, like, a, like a monkey with a box of nuts. <laughs> So here is my pitch for a generic thriller, Killer Vending Machine Frenzy. Brilliant. That does not sound like a generic <laughs> thriller. So our main character is Steve. He's just a middle-of-the-road office worker. You know, he's safe and, and normal. He's good-looking enough to be on TV, but not in a way that makes him seem unrelatable or threatening. You know, mm. white, white, sensible haircut, no tattoos. No visible tattoos, anyway. So nice, safe, normal man. Okay. However, he is a bit of a workaholic. Uh, he's staying late at the office, long after everyone else has left. Uh, we need to set all this up very quickly, though, because uh, I'm trying to make a tight 82-minute film here. Uh, so I need, <laughs> And so the opening scene will be him working at his non-specific office work when a security guard pops in, and the conversation will go something like this. Oh, hey, Mr. Steve, uh, working late again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right, Hector. <laughs> you know me. Uh, you really gotta get out more, you know? Uh, what happened to that girl you were dating who works in the office next door? Oh, I, I called that off when my mum got cancer. Yeah, I just didn't have the time. Oh, that's rough. Uh, anyway, I've got to go and do my rounds. I'll be back in precisely every two hours. Bye. Okay, so we've set that up. Can we? Can he be Werner Herzog, <laughs> the, the vending machine? Man. I think the security guy could be Werner Herzog. Yeah, yeah. That's perfect such is the futility of existence. <laughs> and then he leaves. I, he's, he's too good. He's too good. Uh, so yeah, there you go. We've set up the the basic plot there uh, that with no emotional resonance whatsoever. It's it's just what you need. So now he, he's back to his work. He decides he's gonna text his mum, which we've just discovered she's got cancer. So. 
we, uh, we, we see on screen his phone, you know, we, we see all that as he, he's texting. He says, oh, hey, mum, just thinking about how you've got cancer. Yeah, that's really shit, isn't it? And she replies, um, she replies, oh, yeah, don't worry about me, darling. I just want you to have a, a, a well-paid, respectable job and meet a nice girl and have a family like the good little capitalist lapdog that I raised you to be. Uh, and then that's, uh, so that's with his emotional crisis averted for the time being there. He was just having a bit of an emotional moment. Now that is the first four minutes of the film. Okay, so that's a nice tight. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> we need to just get on with it. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, well, yeah. Now the emotional crisis averted for the time being. He decides he needs a packet of crisps. Uh, he goes to the vending machine. Now remember, this film is called Killer Vending Machine Frenzy. We need product placement opportunity. Yeah, it's sponsored by Tato's. So he's he's looking at the vending so he's, machine. He's looking at. It, he goes, no, no fruit pastels for me. I don't want any sweets. Straight down. They're, they're for after. He's, a big he's salt getting man. a main course to begin with. Packet yeah. of crisps. Yeah. So All he right. chooses the packet of crisps he wants. Puts his coins in the machine, and this is um, this is where we start the slow motion. Right. We see each coin drop into the <laughs> slot, and the, and that long <laughs> that long drawn out heavy clunk of slow motion sound effect of a coin hitting a metal plate. Anyway, but then just as he's about to put in the last coin, he drops it. <laughs> It's slow motion, rolls under the vending machine. Oh, He's no. annoyed at himself. He crouches down to the floor. He starts to fumble for the coin. We can see his fingers just reaching for it. It's in slow motion. He's so close. And he has to push into the machine. Like, he has to push his shoulder into the machine to get to it. Like, that extra couple of millimetres oh. he needs. Oh, my God. And then just as he's about to get there in slow motion, he grabs it. He pulls it out. And he stands up and puts it in the machine. It was a bluff. Ah, you thought the oh, vending machine was going to kill him. It was a blow. Okay, that's your... Bu- but then... <laughs> but then... But then the coin goes, like, right through the machine and comes out the change slot. Into his balls and whacks him in the <laughs> <ball. laughs> uh, No, so, that was a bluff. But he puts the coin in the machine, presses the button for the packet of crisps, and we go into slow motion again. The crisps, they drop, they ricochet off the side of something, <laughs> they're banging on the door, and then they... Uh-oh, they're snagged on something. So now you, you know how you know how in South Park they like hide an alien in the background of loads of shots in like most episodes. Yeah. Well, can yeah. we just have Gary Lineker hiding <laughs> in the background, <laughs> just uh, eagerly waiting? It's I'm not sure how well it'll play on the international market. To be honest. <laughs> well, it's subtle. It's it's it doesn't matter if you don't know who he is. You you, you wouldn't know to look for him. But for international, if you know he's there. Gary Lineker is a football player who is now inexplicably a crisp salesman. Actually, it sounds weird when you explain it to people, doesn't it? It's very odd. Uh, it's just a simple advertisement tie-in thing, you know. Was... Yeah, but a long-running one. But 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 the the ad campaign was specifically that he would like run around stealing crisps to begin with. <laughs> Like like the Noid in America with Pizza Hut. Okay. <laughs> okay. The, the the packet of crisps has got snagged on something. So, you know, he does the classic, he bangs it, he shakes it around a bit. We, we're terrified here, the tension, because mm. it could drop on him at any moment. We know the vending machine is going to attack at some point. And no. then And then eventually he has to do that thing where you put your hand up and try and grab it, which isn't actually physically possible in real life, but happens in film, so we're going with it. Uh, so he puts his hand up around the back of the thing and he's trying to grab hold of the thing. And then, uh-oh, 
He's got his arm trapped. Something clamps onto him. He's stuck with some unseen bit of machinery. Slow motion on Steve's face in a contorted, agonising scream. Now, now at this point, because of all the slow motion, we're a good 25 minutes into the film now. So mm. we see him wrestling with the vending machine for a bit before Hector returns. Okay, that's the security guy. Uh, Hector returns. Good, good Mexican name you've got. <laughs> <laughs> he pops he pops his head into the office he goes oh hey mate everything alright and Steve is embarrassed like he's only just got trapped he thinks he's going to be okay so he's like yeah yeah I'm just getting some crisps or something yeah alright see ya he, he so, should go he should go nah everything's fine yeah just uh, just getting some crisps and I, I kind of fell asleep down here mm-hmm. and then he can go like hey man tell me about it I fall asleep at work all the time too okay that's racist <laughs> and, that's racist and I won't stand for it <laughs> Anyway, I thought, I thought we were playing. Hector's, oh, no, it was last week we were doing Hector's, racial stereotypes. Hector's half Scottish, half Japanese. Anyway, so he's, I don't know where you've got Mexico from. Well, Calvin just said. Just because he assumed he was Mexican because he's called Hector. Well, he's actually- well I, I didn't assume he was Mexican. Calvin did. I was just picking up the ball. Calvin <laughs> said it. You didn't correct him. Oh, no. So I was like, okay. No, he's not. He's Scottish Japanese. Okay. Okay. So, so uh, should we should we get Scottish Bond in here to, to say? Oh what no, he's no, 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 no! It's all right. He's, no, busy, he's busy this week. He's locked outside with Werner Herzog. Remember, <laughs> he's playing golf. Okay. <clears throat> he's been banned until until the next Bond episode, I think. Um, okay, so now we have the whole middle bit of the film where there's just a lot of agonising close-ups and maybe he can see a pigeon that's sat outside the window. He tries to talk to that as if it's his friend. But the pigeon, you know, it's not like a seagull. I just don't care. Uh, he hasn't got his... Can he, can he access any of the, the food and stuff? No, no, not at the moment. He's, he's just trapped in okay. it. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, he hasn't got his phone on him because it's on his desk. But we, can, we as an audience, we can see he's getting texts coming like maybe his mum texts him saying oh my cancer's really playing up tonight I uh, wish you'd call me <laughs> and like he doesn't know that his mum's really sick or not that sick um, but that'll really crank up the emotional tension that we've faked in the beginning uh, so anyway eventually two hours pass Hector comes back this time of course Steve is, has to swallow his pride he says oh I'm stuck can you help me Hector come, he, Hector like reacts with an appropriate amount of panic and alarm and so he just He's desperately like shoving the machine. He's trying to pull him out. He's he's ramming it around. He's trying to loosen things up. But in his haste, he starts knocking around the vending machine that's also right next to him. Oh, uh, no. and, then, <laughs> and then, boom, that whole thing falls over right on top of Hector. Boom, he's dead. Hector <gasps> squished by the killer vending machine. Now, so now... But as, a, but as a funny joke, like after it happens, it could then go... <laughs> And like a, a chocolate a, bar, a packet of biscuits kind of <laughs> falls forward, but it gets stuck against the glass and doesn't even come out. <laughs> well, no, I've got that. Okay, Steve is now there. He's stuck in this vending machine still, but now he's got a dead security guard next to him. But I did say the good news here is that the fallen vending machine has sort of smashed up a bit and has shed its contents. So now he can at least have some crisps. And so he has to sort of eat them next to a corpse, but, you know, still. Okay. This is when Steve comes up with his great... So, wait, what's in there? Just crisps or...? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever, whoever sponsors Biscuits, it. Biscuits? Yeah. Sweets? Whoever pays the most fruit. of them things in there. F- fuck off, fruit. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, well, if there's a plum in there, he could probably, like, hurl it, like, really out the window. <laughs> get some, get to get attention. <laughs> okay, right, now, this is... This is when Steve comes up with his great escape plan. <laughs> 
So with his free hand, he manages to fish around in Hector's pocket and he finds some change. Uh, He's worked out which bit of the machine is kind of grabbing onto him. And so if he gets the coins in and selects the right thing, it'll rotate, make it move, and then it'll release his hand. That's the idea. Uh, So to cut a long story short, we do all the slow motion bit. He's, He's putting coins in. He has to reach up and get it. But basically the plan works. He gets out, but just as he pulls his arm out, The whole machine starts to topple towards him and he just manages to roll away in slow motion at the last second and it crashes down. He survives. Cut to a black screen. The words, three days later. Steve is sat back in the office. He's doing some work. An attractive young lady from the office next door approaches him and she says, says, oh, we're doing a collection for Hector's widow. Uh, He he reaches in his pocket. He pulls out a bit of change. puts it in the envelope. Um... And as he does that, he turns his wrist and we see there on the spot where the machine had hold of him, there's really quite a nasty looking bruise. And uh, then the girl says to him, I know you said we couldn't date because your mum has cancer and all that, but uh, maybe we could at least like spend our breaks together. And he, Steve's like, yeah, yeah, that would be all right, I suppose. And she goes, she's great. Steve goes, Steve goes, what are you on about? That is a break date. That's still a date. Fuck off. I told you. It doesn't eat into his outside of work time, though, so I think it's okay. So he's like, okay, that's a, let's, let's spend our break together. That's fine. She goes, great, you can start by uh, getting me a packet of crisps from the vending machine, right? Play, playfully throws him a pound coin. <laughs> and says, so she says, get something for yourself. <laughs> and then so he turns he stares towards the new vending machine the vending machine stares back in slow motion uh, it's a static shot but trust me it's slow motion and then <laughs> we have then we have he has to face his fears we do that long drawn out slow motion scene he's, and he goes up he uses the vending machine he gets two packets of crisps he's, he's faced his fears he's got back on the horse and then right at the very climax as he's uh, putting his hand into the machine to pick out the product, his phone vibrates in his pocket. He pulls it out. It's a text from his mother. It says, the experimental cancer treatment worked. I've got the all clear. And then that's the perfect happy ending. A new spring in his step. Steve takes the package over the crisps, over to his lady friend. uh, And then we end with a freeze frame of them both laughing hysterically. No. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, we end with Steve... um, going to the loo or something and then his lady friend takes the mask off revealing that it's Gary Lineker and he's tricked him into buying him a packet of crisps <laughs> and he chumps the, the crisp and winks thought, the camera. I thought you were going to say he pulls the mask off to reveal she's a vending machine <laughs> <laughs> So Calvin? Yes, well mine, mine's a very quick one and this is sort of done in the in the sort of idea of, okay, well, if I was a studio and I was looking to churn out, like, you know, direct-to-video sort of sequels to this, what would I do? So I would have it... Okay, so you've got two options. Okay. You you either have new characters returning to the same shallows and the, uh-huh. the shark comes back for revenge because it's a shark feeding ground, or you pick up with the same character and she somehow... Like gets attacked by sharks in a new situation. I think you'll have gone for the latter. You're, I you're, you're like Blake Lively. You're very close, except <laughs> Blake Lively's too expensive for us now. So we're <laughs> okay. having, so we're casting her sister in the film and potentially <laughs> recasting. Like if we want to, it's fine. Um, but basically, we open the film in Africa, 
and uh, we focus on there's a there's this middle class sort of nice affable gentleman um he he's chatting to people he's on a little safari there he he mentions that he's a dentist and then he they they see some lions on <laughs> the horizon what? this is so i was i was very close to going down this road actually <laughs> weirdly <laughs> enough yeah i know where you're going <laughs> go on sharks in africa <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so and then Shaft, Shaft, and Af- Shaft went to Africa. Did he now? Well, yeah, good. that was that was relevant. Okay, Calvin, <laughs> so this dentist is um, he take you see you know we we like this man. We've spent a good few minutes with him. He's a lovely man, but he takes out this gun and shoots one of the lions, and we see that he's actually a hunter and he's paid for the experience to come to Africa and kill beautiful mm. animals. I'll teach now, a stupid lion. Now it's him and his like hunting buddy, and then two like locals who were sort of showing them around. And they're going around in a car, um, and then <laughs> one. <laughs> Why did I laugh? Yeah. I, if you really want to know, I oh. was imagining Gary Lineker on a hunting <laughs> trip shooting at big crisps. God's sake. Uh, well, that's why I didn't bring it up. <laughs> it's just, there's something not right in your head. <laughs> so, anyway, this dentist is on a hunt, and um, could he be played by like, Kelsey Grammer? Would that? Would that work? Oh yes, <laughs> yes, we can afford him. I'm sure we can't afford Blake Lively, but we can afford Kelsey Grammer. So Blake Lively's sister is a member of uh, Peter. And she's out there campaigning against this, like this, a, a, a sting operation to, um, I don't know, show up this dentist in some way, like take a video of him yeah. or whatever. Anyway, so we have some conflict here between the hunter and Peter, and you know, uh, all that sort of thing. And uh, and then this one especially large lion starts chasing them. And uh, the, the, he picks off a couple of the hunting party and a couple of the Peter guys, and eventually it ends up being the dentist, Blake Lively's sister, one of the locals, <laughs> and another Peter guy. And they're like up on this like rock in the middle of the savannah, and this lion is like going around and like burrowing underground and like <laughs> popping up. <laughs> 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 the points, and you, uh, then you know this the- could be a sequel to Tremors. <laughs> They're out on an African like savanna hunting holiday, and a, a graboid shows up. That is the sequel to Tremors. That's Tremors Five. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, and then you know we have. So I want more people Aren't stuck on the lions this better time? at climbing than humans. Uh, T- I- tigers climb. I don't know about lions. Oh, okay. Panthers. Oh yeah, and no, like you're that. right. I, I think I'm being. I mean, they definitely don't burrow. So in that sense, it's you know <laughs> irrelevant, really. <laughs> anyway, basically, we up the number of people on the rock because we have to up the body count, obviously. So a few people have been mauled to death at this point, and then there's still <laughs> a couple of disposable people on top of the rock as well who can also die. They can try and you know get away at some point and fail. So then it basically ends up being Blake Lively's sister and Kelsey Grammer stuck on the top of the rock and they each learn a bit about each other and, and you know maybe maybe neither of them is truly in the wrong and maybe neither is truly in the right what about the one who shoots animals for a laugh he's probably more in is the he wrong, in the wrong perhaps? 
He's probably one. more in the wrong. Um, <laughs> is this anyway. is this film funded by Peter? Is that <laughs> we might have to change it, the? Uh... It, it, well, we're open for funding. If fun, if Peter want to fund us, then the hunter is evil and will get eaten by the lion. <laughs> if the National Rifle Association wants to <laughs> sponsor us, then Peter then is evil. Peter are a terrorist organization, and she gets eaten. <laughs> So yeah. the ending is dependent on where I get my funding. So, <laughs> Spoken like a true artist. TBC. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end. If if Walkers offer up the money, will you put Gary Lineker in there <laughs> shooting at crisps? Um, uh, well, my my original ending was... The, the characters are crisps and there's a big Gary Lineker like, <laughs> running around the- <laughs> That would make more sense. <laughs> Running around the rock trying to eat the crisps. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, you, you sound very unimpressed. Um, I'm not sure I found it quite as funny as you guys. Uh, but, you know, I appreciated it on a, on a different level. It's just... A... <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay. okay well that's my pitch eventually they did both survive but then the um you know the the thought of money interrupted <laughs> my my vision Thanks for listening to the show. If you've uh, enjoyed it and want to help us out, then please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating and or review. Uh, we're always looking to spread the word about the show. And if you'd like to hear and read more from us, then head over to our website, www.dimreturns.com, where you can see our individual out of 10 ratings for the films we discuss on the show. Um, there's also articles there, written reviews, and other Easter egg content. So long for now, but do join us next week as we uh, take a bit of a change of pace and look at an anime series, Death Note. <laughs>